Welcome to the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. This is our series called Suitcase, where we're diving in and we're going to look at God's Word, how to overcome depression, anxiety, the stresses of life, and I believe this will be an encouragement to you. Remember, if you want any information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. But let's jump right in to this week's message. So Philippians chapter 4 is we're going to start with kind of the last few weeks. This is the verses we've been in. So Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, Always be full of joy and the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That was we talked about about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Just having the joy of the Lord, what that means, that our emotions don't rise and fall just about with happiness, but the joy of the Lord is something much deeper at work, a root in us that uh, we can go through any circumstance and rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Verse 6, we talked about this a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago. Don't worry about anything. It doesn't say, don't, it doesn't say worry about everything, right? It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And this is the part, this is the two verses we're going to focus on as we wrap up this this morning. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. And this is a... a, a you know, this really get, opens up something very practical to us on how to shift our way of thinking, to shift our perspective about things. And that's exactly what I'll talk to you this morning. This is about our perspective. So the first part of this um, is kind of going to be more of a teaching. We're going to go through each one of these words and kind of what the Greek opens up to us of, of, that, of each word that we just talked about of... Um, uh, uh, true, honorable, right, pure, those words. And then we're going to look at an application. How do we apply it to us? And Because Paul said something else. He said, keep putting into practice all that you learned from me. And so we see how Paul put into practice these lists of things that he put in that's, that allowed Paul to see things a lot differently than maybe the, some of the things that we struggle with. And so I, let's just break that open just for a moment. But I, here's the reality, is that uh, we're in a, a, a culture, a season, a time, um, you know, that they, they say that this younger generation, the millennial, the X, the Y, the Z, whatever generation we're in now, but the, the younger generation are really dealing with things of stress and anxiety, not like any generation before. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever, some, you know, when, when you get stressed out, you know, even the, the little things kind of get to you sometimes. You know, it's like if there is anything that is stressful about church people, 
It's deciding where to eat after a service. Has anybody, where you want to eat? I don't know. I always have the, I can't remember what cartoon it was, but it was the three vultures on the tree. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. That, that, that's us trying to decide to eat sometimes, right? And, I, you know, I mean, it, we're, we're in a time where, I mean, people have never been more in therapy or more, or more medicated than what we in our, our culture right now. And I think there's a lot of that has to do with the anxiety, the stress, the pressure that we have in life. And I, I do want to say, out, uh, I, I've said this so many times, I want to say it again. As believers, I think sometimes we look at counseling and, and help and, and that nature as like a negative. I'm going to tell you, I believe in seeing counselors. I, and, and if you come to the place, you're seeing a Christian counselor and have to go through the process of medication. I'm going to tell you, God, he's given that knowledge. And I, I, I do believe in it. But I, we're in a time, it's just like, it's, it's so stressful, it seems like, to live like. Now, they say children make 5,000 decisions a day. I, I can't imagine what of those 5,000 are that important, but they say that adults make 35,000 decisions a day. Do you ever feel like you make 35,000 decisions a day? I mean, even trying to decide what streaming service. There's like over 20 streaming services. Disney Plus. And then it's like the Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN, or um, uh, uh, Pluto, or... Uh, you know, Hulu or Netflix or Cloud TV or Paramount Plus or whatever. I mean, we got to decide all of these things, and sometimes it makes even simple decisions difficult. But we see that we're going to, whatever is true, Philippians 4, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Because here's the reality. Whatever occupies a person's thinking will eventually work its way into words and action. The way you think will impact the way that you speak, the way that you communicate, the way that you act. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way. One of my favorite verses, right? Philippians 3, what? Okay, I'll say anyway, 323. For it is God that works in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. So that renewing of the Holy Spirit happens inside of us. It changes the way that we think. It tells us in Romans, right, that our minds being renewed, transformed, and that changes the way that we act or live out and, and, and live life. Whatever occupies a person's thinking will eventually work its way out in words or action. I mean, when you're talking about the perspective of something, perspective simply means how that you see something. And how you perceive how you see something can really impact your entire life. The root word of perspective in the Latin, I really love this definition, but um, you know, all of our words have roots in Latin, but the Latin of perspective means to look through. And the idea is that you look through whatever's in front of you. You look through whatever the circumstance is, and that gives you an accurate perspective. But if you can't see through the circumstance, and all you see is the circumstance, you're going to have a different perspective than if you can see on the other side of it. That, that was a good thought right there. Are you with me? 
And so whenever we look at a situation, are we, do we perceive, when we see that circumstance, are we overcome with fear and anxiety and stress and pressure and all of these things? Are we looking through it with the right perspective? And so Paul gives us this list. The first one is, and, I, and if you have your notes, they're going to be on the screen too, but the Greek word is there with it. I, I'm not going to go real deep into this part, but the first one is whatever is true. Whatever is true. And so when we look at that word true, it gives us a, it, it's talking about something very specific. And what it means is this, is in accordance with reality and not deceitful. Everybody say reality. I mean, I'm not talking about your reality or my reality, but we're talking about a truthful reality. Has anybody in the room ever had an opinion about a situation and you're like, I, man, I see right through this and I know and I, I know that I know and my knower. And I mean, you're, you hold on to it and then when it all comes out, you realize that you really didn't see it the right way and that you were wrong. I, I know it's tough. I know. I get it. I've been wrong like twice in my life and it's tough. Right? It, I, I know it would be maybe hard for us to submit, but we have to see things with reality and not deceit. We, we can't make reality what we want it to be. We've got to see things with truth, not a perception of truth, not, a, not an opinion of truth. And it's not your truth, my truth, but a reality and not deceitful. I, it, it is so difficult. It's easy sometimes for us to be honest with others, right, in their situation. But there's a lot of times it's hard to be honest with ourselves in our circumstance. And so somebody wants to speak some truth into us, and we're like, who are you? Right? But Paul says that you think, you think on whatever is true. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit, especially if you are in a season, a circumstance, a battle, a fight, a cloud, a weight, to be able to see through that in truth. Whatever is noble or honorable, whatever is noble, some translations say noble, some translations say honorable, and what this literally means is exalted in character or excellence, exalted in character or excellence, and we're, we're simply talking about something being esteemed, and so whenever, so what we tend to do, is there anybody, I, maybe I, I don't know if this should be a rhetorical question or not, but is there anybody that I mean, you kind of always lean towards thinking the negative about everything. Okay, you're not, all right, so some of you, I ain't raising my hand on that. <laughs> you're going to trick me because I see some of the negative in what you're asking me. Whatever is noble, whatever, I mean, you know, that's really the difference, but a lot of times between me and Angela, I, man, I tell you what, if I was not saved, if I was not feeling the Holy Spirit and Him working in my life, I, I'm, I'm a pessimist with God working in my life. Anybody? I'm just being real. Angela, I mean, a nuclear bomb could be going off, and she's like, see some good thing going to... Like, what are you looking at? Are we even looking at the same situation? 
But whatever is honorable, whatever is esteemed, we, we, we really, Paul is saying, whatever the circumstance is, you find the good in it. Whatever is right, and this has a very, very significant meaning, whatever is right, and what this means is, meets God's standard of rightness. God's, not yours, not mine, but God's standard of rightness. They are keeping in his truth and his righteousness. And he tells us to fix our thoughts on these things. And I know it's hard. I mean, it is true. The Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. But listen, Scripture tells us about really so much about life and how to, how to perceive, how to look at things and look at whatever is right. The next one is whatever is pure. Whatever is pure. That means free from contamination or blemish. Whatever is pure. These thoughts are unmixed, unmodified. They are wholesome. I mean, Paul is talking about a moral purity. And it's sometimes it's even in this culture, it's hard to maintain a pure thought life, free of contamination or blemish. But I'm going to give you a verse. I, I, can't, I, don't, I, hope, I think this is going to be on the screen. I think it's in your notes, but if it's not, you can write it down. But it's Psalm 101.3. 101.3. And it says, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I'll have nothing to do with them. I'll refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. I, it, it, is, it is more difficult. It is harder in our culture than ever before. But listen to me. You need to protect what you are entertaining yourself with. You need to protect what you're feeding yourself, whether it be, and listen, I'm not trying to stand on some kind of soapbox or anything, but, you know, I, listen, if, if I want to be encouraged, the last thing I'm going to listen to is a song about my wife leaving me, my truck breaking down, and my dog dying. I mean, hello? I, I want to I I feed my spirit in something that builds me up. Sometimes all you have to do is change a pattern in your life. Do you know that? And I know that it's hard. I know that it's difficult. But if whenever something happens in your life and it like it upsets the apple cart, I mean it whether it's mild or huge, if you have these bins in your life that I mean, you immediately, your reaction to that is the withdrawal. Your reaction to that is to lay in bed. Your reaction to that is to watch whatever show all night, back to back to back to back. I'm going to tell you, that will not change the way that you think. It will not change your perspective. And so what's the spiritual application of that? Yes, those are moments we ask, Lord, I need your strength right now. I need you to help me. Whatever is lovely. Thinking what is... Th this is very specific. When you, when you study out this word in the Greek, what is lovely? Thinking what is right 
is beautiful. Thinking what is right is beautiful. There's sometimes that, uh, you know, what came, I don't know whether this really connects or not, but what kind of started, I started thinking about when I read that was really, I'm, I'm a person that cannot stand injustice. I hate injustice. And you may be that way too. There may be some, some it's, you know, may not be a big deal, but especially if you have a, a, a prophetic bend in, in your gifting and calling. I mean, I hate injustice. I do. It's like, it, there's a lot of things I can keep my mouth shut on, but when I see injustice happening, I mean, I, I can come unglued really quick. And, you know, there's so many times that, it, you so where am I going with that? You know, there are times where injustice happens, and uh, all of us hate injustice when it comes to our family or kids, right? And so has anything ever happened to your kid, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> Somebody's about to get strung up by the toenails here, you know. And that reaction from us, we, so what it's saying is, is that, Sometimes the, these bends that we have in our heart that are not conducive to being a believer, we can think that's the beautiful thing. That's the lovely thing. I'm going to tell you, that's hard to say, you know what, I, you know, I, <laughs> um, now that they're here on the front row, I think it was the Perez's. I don't know, we weren't here very long. And um, somebody called Shaley a chick. Who was that? Helena's grandson. That's who that was. So somebody calls Shaylee a chick. And for some reason, Chase thought that was like the worst thing ever and, and punched him. And that was his Christian reaction, calling my sister a chick. I, mean, I, th- I just thought, well, the honeymoon's over. We're, done. We're, we're getting voted out. It's all... It's all over, but sometimes we got to think the best of people and respond that way. The Bible says, Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And then he says, whatever is commendable, whatever is commendable, a believer's thoughts, if heard by others, should be commendable, not something that condemns whatever is commendable. The Bible says, right, we know the verse in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And then he ends with this thing. If there is any virtue, a moral excellence. And that was a really fascinating Greek term to me because really what that means is let me break it down this way. As Paul is saying, I could keep going on and on and on and on and on with this list, but I want to sum it up with this one word, if there be any virtue, if there be anything excellent. I'm going to sum it all up, this lengthy list qualities. If you think about anything, you got to think about what is excellent. So dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. You're to fix your thoughts. This is different 
than the fruit of the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, you know how that happens? That happens out of an outflowing of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not a fruit of will. If you want to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to be at the place of surrender where the Holy Spirit is doing all those things in your life. Does that make sense? But this is different than that. Paul is saying, fix. Paul is saying, man, you get a drill and some wood screws and you put lovely and, you know, you fix it onto yourself. That is something that you take and you're like, I am going to do this. I'm going to decide. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to make a resolution that regardless of what's happening around me in life or who people are or how people act or whatever is happening, I'm going to think about what is true and what is honorable and what is pure and what is lovely. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to see people this way. I'm going to look through circumstances this way. I started preaching really good, and you're just kind of looking at me. (laughs) Simply put, right, we know this term garbage in, garbage out. It's really that Sunday school simple. What we put into our mind determines what comes out. And the Bible says that we can take every thought captive. Every thought captive. And then he says this. So we, we, we read all these words, his definition of words, and then in verse 9 he says this. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. And I love Paul using this because if anybody knew Paul, they knew what Paul had been through. If anybody knew Paul, they knew all what Paul had been through. He, he writes about it in many different areas, especially in the book of Acts. But here's one thing that Paul said in Acts 20, 23. He said, now think, process this, especially in our culture, in our church culture, Christian culture. Paul writes this in Acts 20, 23. The Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and persecution are waiting for me. Well, that'll preach. I mean, we don't hear that said very much nowadays, do we? We're like, oh, the Holy Spirit, if he's going to speak anything to me, it's health, wealth, and whatever. I mean, Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is telling me inside my spirit that every city I go into is imprisonment, persecutions waiting for me. Think about that for a moment. And, and so if, if any of us had gotten a word like that, I mean, I mean, what would be your response? You're like, well, that's a false prophet. He was kidnapped. In Acts, he talks about in Acts 21. He was kidnapped. We read that he was beaten. We read that he was threatened. We read that he was arrested many times. We read that he was accused in lawsuits. We read that he was interrogated, ridiculed. We even read in one place where he was ignored. In Acts 27, he's talking about his shipwreck and how he goes to the centurion to tell him how to fix this. 
And in Acts 27, 11, it says that the centurion ignored him but paid attention to the pilot of the boat. He was ignored. And he was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a viper. And of course, we know that he was eventually martyred for his faith. And so this is a man that was beaten, that was jailed, that was ignored, that was ridiculed, that went to every city and you know, it was expecting imprisonment and, 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 and ridicule. And yet he still says, what, think on, fix your thoughts on this. Whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, whatever's honorable. Perspective is how you see something. So what I want to do these next couple of moments... This thing going to take but a few minutes is how to turn your perspective of pain into praise. How to turn your perspective of pain into praise. It makes a difference in how you live life, whether your perception of everything. Perception is reality, right? If, I'm not being sacrilegious here, so I, I, I want to preface that, but if if I had a version of the Bible, if there was a PTV, PT's version, it may read something like this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me is really not fair. God let me down and so has everyone else. I dare say I'm talking about someone else's thoughts in this room too. I'm overwhelmed with anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. Because nobody has been through what I've been through. I'm quitting and never going back to church. Philippians 1, 12, and 13, the PTV. But let's, let's read what Paul wrote. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. Those are two entirely different perceptions. And so Paul says, Paul says, keep putting into practice the things that you learned from me. So let's look at one instance that Paul may have been talking about. And you find it in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we read, uh, there's several things going on here, but one of them is Paul and Silas, um, the Bible says they're going to a place of prayer, and, but there was this demon-possessed girl. And, and what, what I always I like about this story is that it kind of gives us an insight to maybe Paul's personality just a little bit. And so it's it, like his... That we can tell from Scripture, I mean, it's not like we, we see that maybe his heart was broken for this lady or that he had compassion for this lady. I mean, actually what happened was, is Paul was annoyed. He was annoyed by this demonic spirit possessing this lady and that was following them around. And so finally he cast the devil out of her. He delivered her from this possession but when that happened, there was a lot of people in the town that lost their way to make money. 
And so, of course, this made them mad. And so we kind of pick up there in verse 21 of Acts 16. And it says, they are teaching. So this is the people that got mad, that their way of income just got taken away from them, from this poor girl being possessed, and Paul delivering her. In verse 21, they begin to lie about what happened. Verse 21, they're teaching customs that are illegal for us as Romans to practice. That was not true. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped, beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. They were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And so here we see... Paul doing something good, bringing deliverance to somebody, and now they are beaten, stripped. I mean, I, I, want, I mean, p- Scripture doesn't like clarify what this may meant, but I mean, we maybe think that you know that they stripped them down to their skivvies. But listen, I mean, knowing the first century and the culture, they probably stripped them down completely nude here in the middle of town, beat them with rods, whipped them, and punished them. My question is, if you or I in that situation, really, what would be our response? I mean, there would be a lot of us that would say, oh, God doesn't love me anymore. If God was really good, why did he allow all this stuff to happen? If if God had real power, he wouldn't have let this happen to me. But Paul said to think on what is true, what is right, what is lovely, what is pure, what is commendable, what is virtuous. And so they're lied about, embarrassed, beaten, prison, dungeon, chains. And so then we get to verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. The only way, the only way that you can be in that place of being uh, beaten and whipped and embarrassed and clamped in in a dungeon and and in this dark place and to pray and to sing praise is have a different perspective than what other people have around you. Are you following me? And so here's Paul and Silas. And so think about it. They're serving God. They're flogged, beaten, thrown into prison, bloodied, bruised, broken noses on a cold prison floor. So of course that means worship night. Right? Wrongly accused. And what do they do? They worship Then we see in verse 26, suddenly there was a massive uh, massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. What a worship service. You know, and the the thing is, is when you read that, I would love to tell you, I mean, right here, man, it would preach so good, it would lean into an altar call so well, is for me to tell you that if you just start worshiping, it's going to change everything. And I'm going to tell you, it might, but it might not. 
But here's what I do know that will change 100% your perspective. And the way you see everything will change. Is anybody with me in the house? This is good stuff. It will change our perspective. And so what did they do? What happened? So let's look exactly what happened as they prayed first. I know I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but I, I, had, I, I had to be a little repetitive. As we see that they prayed and they sang hymns. They prayed first. The Bible says Colossians 4, 2, devote yourselves to prayer. They didn't call Sue Bob. They didn't text Joe Bob. That might be brother and sister. I don't know. They didn't go on some rant on Facebook or social media. How dare the Roman government? Can you believe what they did, the injustice? What did they do? They took it to God. They prayed first. The second thing they did is they worshiped publicly. It's not something that they held on the inside. They just didn't say in their thoughts and their heart, God, you're good. They did something physically and vocally. They did something physically and vocally. They sang these hymns to God. Psalm 35, 18. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. Then I will thank you in front of the great. I will praise you before all the people, the psalmist wrote. Psalm 107, 32. Let them exalt him where? Publicly. Before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. I don't want to jump into too much what I'm going to talk about next week. I'm going to talk about worship some next week, but listen to me. There, I, you know, I don't know what like, gets you amped up. I don't, you know, even the quietest of people, there's something sometimes that gets them riled up. I mean, for some of us, listen, I, me and Chase, um, we like to yell at the TV in football. I th- whether I th- it may get a little of that for me. I mean, I, you know, uh, and, and you have to do it in such a way that they hear you in the TV. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, when I was single, I dare say that, you know, there may be some broken glass tables and holes in walls sometimes for the Cowboys. But anyway, I've since matured. But there's a lot of things that gets us riled up. If there's anything, listen, if, if there's some, listen, I'm not telling you that, um, you know, to, to jump up and, and run around the church and, you know, scream and whatever. I, if you want to, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, you worship how you want to worship. I'm okay with that. I, I'm not telling you if you're not an extremely demonstrative person, that's, you know, all of a sudden you've got to switch gears and that's what you've got to do. But listen to me. When it, you are provided an opportunity to worship, you need to worship. Listen, you, I, I say this all the time. I can't carry a tune in the bucket, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know what tune is. But I'm going to tell you if that's one of the reasons why I sit on the front row, because you can't hear me. But I'm singing. I mean, I'm thinking to myself the whole time I'm singing, this sounds awful. I mean, if... God's probably like, okay, Todd, I hear you. 
I mean, that's how bad I sing. I mean, just a few moments ago, we were singing a song, and I mean, I, I, and it was a moment, I thought, I think I'm in tune. I think, and then, like, there was like a quiet moment, and my voice cracked really loud, and I thought, I hope, I hope Brian has the crowd mic turned off, because that's so coming to the stream, if anybody hears that. So, man, you've got to worship publicly, and here's what's going to happen. It's going to allow you to seize the moment. You see, it's very, if, if you can't do it here, you're not going to do it out there. If you can't be outward with your faith and your worship in here, you think you're, you think you're going to flip a switch and do it out on the lease or the grocery store or to the next door neighbor? You, that, that flip, that switch is sudden flip. You've got to practice it somewhere. And I'm going to tell you, if you learned what it is to worship and to exalt God, no matter the circumstance, there are times where physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally, man, you're going to be let out of the prison. God is going to do something big for you. But that is not the reason why we do it. The reason why we do it is for you to gain perspective for the lost people that surround you. I mean, what is the is the is the the core, the foundation, the story that they worshipped, even though they were beaten? No, the core of the story is the jailer and his household getting saved. So the earthquake happens, and he's going to take a sword and he's going to kill himself. And Paul's like, "Stop!" And Paul's like, "Brother, you and your whole household's going to be saved." And that jailer committed his life to Christ that night. You see, over and over and over and over, what we see in Scripture, Colossians 4 or 5, you find it in Ephesians 2, but in Colossians 4 or 5, live wisely among those who are not believers, make the most of every opportunity. Your next set of bad news is an opportunity. Do you know that? The next bad thing that happens to you is a God-given opportunity. And the way you seize it is all through your perspective. I want you to stand with me this morning if you would. I hope that this message was a blessing to you. If you would, please like and share to your favorite platform and we would greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you would like more information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. If you're ever in the Odessa area, we would love to meet you in person. God bless you.